0: You're listening to the John Clark cast. My name is John Clark. I'm a licensed therapist, a group practice owner, and a guide for therapists trying to build a better business without all the overwhelm. Uh, In this episode, I'm sitting down with Martine Jones, a licensed psychologist in Asheville, North Carolina, and um, we are talking about all sorts of things. We're talking about how she achieved um, a lot of growth in her practice in a short period of time um, when and how to hire a virtual assistant. We talk about the psychology of practice building, and we do a little problem solving in general, um, throughout this, uh, episode. So, um, it was a really fun one. And without further ado, let's dive in. In five steps, I can teach you how to get fully booked in your practice and how to put your practice on autopilot. Um, The doors to my new program close tomorrow night. That's Thursday at midnight Eastern time, Uh, tomorrow night at midnight Eastern time. So um, you've got one chance to grab this program while you can. This has been the culmination of all of my work in helping therapists since 2013. And I'm really proud of the program and It will do big things for you, your business, and your life. Um, Go to thejohnclark.com forward slash fully booked to grab the program while you can. Again, thejohnclark.com forward slash fully booked to grab the program. All right, let's do this. Martine Jones is on the show with us today, a very special guest and uh, someone that I've been working with for a little while. Um, I'd love for you to introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, so I'm Martine Jones. I'm a psychologist in Asheville, and I've been lucky enough to be a a client of John's, a consulting client, for the last few months. I have a private practice here that I started in November.
0: Tell us... um, well, first of all, thank you for doing this and for your flexibility. You're one of um, what is what is a growing number of people who I forget to tell that there's a video element to the podcast. And then we get <laughs> on. And I'm telling you, it's a litmus test for people's – you would know this being a, a psychologist like, and and not a therapist who doesn't do uh, assessments or something, but it's like a litmus test of people's flexibility or adaptiveness. There's probably some scale, right? <laughs>
1: Well, I think I'm so anxious that I prepared ahead. Like, you know, <laughs> I said to my husband, "I think I might be on video," and he he was like, "Well, shouldn't he tell you?" And I was like, "It's John." When I asked what topic we were gonna do, he said, "You know, whatever." Yep. So I said, "I bet I'm gonna be on video. I'm gonna do my makeup." That's
0: exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, prepare for prepare prepare for anything with very little preparation.
1: I'm, I've i got a backpack, a water bottle. I, if you took me on a trek, you know, I'm ready to go. Wow.
0: Yeah, I'm not planning <laughs> to, to take you on a trek during this episode, but you never know. I have been mo- known to move around. One time Laura Long took me on a tour of her office and I was not expecting that.
1: Yeah. So
0: not only was she not expecting video, but I wasn't expecting to tore her entire office during the show. <laughs> That's so. what you
1: got for putting her on video.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <You> never know, <laughs> we might take a field trip. Well, um tell folks about a little bit about your background and also um your transition into private practice.
1: Yeah, sure. It's been quite a year. So um I was working in university counseling at a variety of universities for like six years. I moved a lot, so University of Vermont and Appalachian State and UNC Chapel Hill. Um, and had always wanted to do private practice. My family, they're all entrepreneurs and I've gotten to see them having flexible schedules, you know all and like loving and having the passion for their business. Um, and so I loved university counseling and it was such a good place to consult and grow and gain my skills. but I just wanted that autonomy, you know um and the and I have a marketing background so um I wanted to use some of that from undergrad um so when my husband got a job in Asheville last year there are, there isn't a large university here so it kind of forced me into into it which was a great thing
0: What was it like having parents who were entrepreneurs the good the bad the ugly
1: Oh <laughs> it's funny like it was really interesting I mean I remember being young and not, you know, I was doing my homework and going to high school and kind of just like wishing we wouldn't talk about work so much. And I was actually just talking to my husband about this because they, it was my brother, my mom, and my dad. And at the dinner table, you know, they would just constantly be talking about things. They had uh, two online herbal remedies, internet companies. And it was just like, I just remember being, (laughs) I was probably such a brat. I was like, can we not talk about this for one minute? (laughs) And now that I have my own company, like, I feel bad for my husband because all I want to do (laughs) is talk about it. And it's just so different. Um, But, like, my dad was able to go golf on a Wednesday, you know, and come meet me for lunch. And he had, as much as it took up a ton of his life, like, he had his own. He just had so much flexibility. And that was really appealing.
0: So they were selling, like, herbal supplements of some sort?
1: Yeah, so they like were one of the first companies to do mass sales of her- herbal, as they say, South Africans, tinctures. Um and they had a company called Native Remedies and for people and then one for pets called Pet Alive, um, which they've now sold. Wow. It was like a big deal, yeah, to start it up.
0: It's like an interesting marriage of uh like like hippie stuff and technology.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah selling
0: herbs online
1: yeah they had a south african psychologist and naturopath who made their remedies and um i think they had seen a gap in the market and weren't really into it when they got started like the actual product but then our whole family just became it was like that we did everything herbal after a while
0: so did you did you grow up having like ashwagandha and tea tree oil (laughs) for dinner or did you have like chicken nuggets like most (laughs) most americans
1: a little chicken nuggets with a side of ashwagandha.
0: <laughs> I only know what that is because my wife sneaks it in our shakes every morning.
1: <laughs> she, to do
0: that. she was out of town until recently, and I, I make my own version of the shake, which is like three ingredients, and then when she uh-huh. gets back, she makes it because there's there's an additional 25 to 30 ingredients, I swear, and I don't know what Did any of them, them are. Did you just look behind
1: your shoulder to see I, if I she looked, could
0: hear you? I looked across the room <laughs> No, she's she's out of out of the house for sure. But I looked over in the kitchen to see if any of them were out because usually they're like spilling over the, uh, the counter. And I don't know what any of them are. They, she could be poisoning me for all I know. But I feel yeah. great.
1: Super <laughs> awesome. full of
0: energy, you know.
1: At oh, least she's something. poisoning you in a way that's, you know, going to help you to self-actualize first. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and then she tagged me in something last night. She was like, you have to get on Instagram and tag four friends in this one post because I can win a year-long, a, a year-supply year, uh, <gasps> of adaptogens.
1: <laughs> yeah, they help you to adapt. I've heard of those I'm things. Like,
0: what? <laughs> I want to know if that's real. She says it works. I guess that's all that matters.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know what? There's something to be said for the placebo effect.
0: Totally. Yeah, your belief that it's going to work has a lot to do with it. That's what, that's what we always learned when I was uh, learning hypnosis in graduate school. Like, it's it's... Um, the person's the recipient's belief has a lot to do with the outcome and i I guess the same could be said for most of therapy right absolutely what, what people are primed to believe but um yeah so tell me what this transition has been like going from working in in a in a in a structure uh in 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 a system so structured as a college counseling center to having to create your own structure, having to become that, that person at the dinner table
1: talking about your business. Yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, it was a huge change. Well, at the same time I was also getting married, moving cities, buying my first house. Um, so it's just been a whirlwind, but I think I kind of thrive on that sort of excitement and, Mm. um, and autonomy and like the challenge. So it's been cool. I think, There have been some panic attacks along the way. I'm not going (laughs) to lie. Isn't that in a clinical
0: sense or a a colloquial sense? I think
1: (laughs) probably clinical. Yeah, We started calling it the heart palpies, the heart palps. That's, you know, the palpitations. That was happening in the beginning because it was just so much. But um, I felt like it was a lot of, you know, I had some friends in private practice. But the thing is that when you're in private practice, you don't have like a whole lot of time to mentor because you're, so busy like doing your, trying to stay aboard on your own stuff. Um, So I like devoured Allison Perrier's podcast, your podcast, the Katie's podcast, and I just trying to, like as I was in university counseling, preparing to move here, just learn as much as I could about what I needed to get in place. Um, And I just felt like on the beginning it was a lot of wheeling and dealing, trying to get my paperwork together and trying to like pay for the least amount of things as possible. Um, so asking for people's paperwork and adapting it and then having that question of like, do I just buy, yeah, John's paperwork packet, um, and save myself the time. So that's kind of how it started out. Um, and then like getting my first client and, um, having to find an office space and trying to make the decisions of, do I do hour for hour? Do I do a full day? It's just been so much of that, like cost benefit question, um, every day, right? Every day. And it's still like that. And it's, it's like, it hurts my brain, but it's also like, it's amazing to be like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, we've talked a little bit about just how am I going to set my schedule up? So being from being told to go, okay, you have to be here nine to five, whether you have clients or not, and you can take a one hour lunch at 12. Um, I, at one point I was like, Oh, there's a yoga class at, you know, uh, 8am on Wednesdays. I'm seeing clients at nine. Oh, I can just make that 10 and really just setting up my life the way I want it to be and taking a three hour lunch so I can go home and walk my dog and being able to give the most to my clients because I am kind of setting it up in the way where I have the most juice has been really cool. And to figure out what that looks like.
0: How many clients were you seeing at uh, at the most in college counseling? It's
1: really interesting because every school was different and UNC was kind of chill in that it was maybe I was seeing 12 to 15 and then I would like run a group or two.
0: Man, Um, that sounds so a lot lower than the numbers I'm hearing lately or even from some of my friends in college counseling that are all like 35 minimum and two groups and three interns to supervise.
1: Well, I think that was, something that, I mean, I didn't want to, you know, throw my colleagues under the bus. But when I was there, I was like, you know, at other centers I've worked at, I would be seeing a lot more people. So at University of Vermont and at App State, it was more like, I mean, it was more like 25 or something sure. plus groups. Um, and then crisis call and things like that. So it wasn't super crazy. And I think I got a little bit spoiled in a way. Um, it And it so... It wasn't that the job was bad because it was pretty, like, in a way, chill. Um, but I just don't like being beholden to other people. I don't like mm-hmm. having to be at work when I don't have clients. Like, I don't like rules for rules sake. Yep. And that was what really, when you, you know, when you do that, like, career values assessment. Mm-hmm. And and I think a lot of therapists will have, like, helping and meaning, like, really high on their values. And that was up there for me. But just as high was autonomy.
0: Yep and rebellion
1: and rebellion absolutely <laughs> i do what i want
0: exactly wants to create own rules and yes. sometimes follow them and sometimes not depending on how we feel that day exactly
1: sometimes <laughs> i break my own rules
0: yeah you should that's what they're there for <laughs> so i, w- I want to go back a moment because what's interesting is you you maybe kind of create a runway for yourself so to speak with acquiring information about private practice so you cycled through you know a handful of podcasts and and at what point did you start implementing and was it hard to start implementing because you had acquired so much it's kind of like reading Mm -hmm. you know a handful of textbooks and then you know and then starting to implement it all and and kind of work through it so how was that process for you And where did you start
1: oh yeah, I mean I just I remember getting my first client and then like I'm kind of a last minute person, so then just reviewing the paperwork and sending it out. And um I it wasn't it was scary to start, but it wasn't hard to start. Um and I remember like trying out some of the advice I had gotten from the podcasts and then realizing it didn't really fit how I want to do a consultation, like maybe a consultation script or something that I had gotten. Um or like Amber Lyda was super helpful cause I have, you know, half my practices online. Um, and she gave me some paperwork and Amber's like really, um, thorough and like she ha- had this super long consent form. And I was like thinking that that was probably not what I would have made myself cause I'm not that thorough. And so I kind of like threw stuff out there and used what I had gotten. And then as time went on and I found these, open hours I just kind of made it made it my own along the way
0: that's why you chose to work with me because I'm, I'm more off the cuff than Amber
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no when I look <laughs> at the coaches like you know I thought that it was a good fit because it was kind of more just what's what's coming up now and in the moment and not super structured we're both rebels you know
0: <laughs> well I, I and I had told you you know a number of times along the way like even when we started Considering your starting point, starting from nothing, and how how far into private practice you were when we started, you've consistently been a lot further along than I think most therapists are. Oh yeah. And and what's tough about that is it's hard to see that, right? Because we always yeah. feel like people are for everyone is further along than me, and is my progress normal, right? And I you know I ask myself this and, and all the things that I do in life, whether it's like getting into shape again or getting better at, you know, uh, playing drums or whatever it is. And so like, sometimes we need to just look at how much we've done and how far we've come, even though we're still not there yet, you know, none of us are are kind of there yet. Um, and then at some point we embrace that, we're never really there. We never really arrive, especially as yep. business owners, entrepreneurs, that it's all, um, it really is about the journey as cliche as that is.
1: I think that has, and you've seen it been really hard for me. Very, very hard to, to say, okay, this is a good place to be. I'm full, you know, and I'm, and I'm going to rest on my laurels. Cause then it goes to, well, how do I make passive income? You know, and How do I like, yeah, get more cash pay or more online? And you're just, you know, when you're, I'm constantly optimizing, trying to optimize. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's something that's felt really exhausting because as much as I liked university counseling, I just didn't feel that invested in like improving things um, as I do now.
0: Well, and, and you know, a lot of folks who are in business for themselves, they have no problem with doing the work. It's learning to rest. Yeah, that, that is that is you know just as important and perhaps um, even more, um, yeah, just even more valuable in the in the long haul to really to be in this business for the long haul and, um, you know, someone once told me in reflecting how the, the way that I was operating was you know, would you treat your best employee this way, the way that you're treating yourself?
1: Oh, right. <laughs> and, and I was <laughs> yeah. working
0: long hours. I couldn't disconnect from work. I was answering emails at the dinner table, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, and hitting it hard first thing in the morning and starting to, you know, let the business kind of overwhelm me. And and someone yeah. asked me that question and I come back to that a lot of like, okay, if I am my best employee, then what what should I do? Or there's therapists that go on for months and months without paying themselves ever. And would you right. do that to your best employee? So
1: Right. That has been an interesting question. Um, and I go, I and just the kind of psychological side of building your practice and running your practice. I wasn't really prepared for how um, complicated that would be. So I go from thinking, Oh, I don't see enough clients a week. Other people are seeing more, you know, to, Oh, I'm going to just, I feel really burnt out. I do, I need to see less and I can be a better therapist. And, the thing is that you're the only one who gets to make those decisions and you're choosing like what income you're making and every person you see that is raising your income by a certain amount for that week. And, um, and then just like the tasks of, yeah, like what you said about spending so much time, like rescheduling and scheduling people. And so we've talked about, you had me put them onto simple practice and schedule themselves for the most part. But there still are questions that come up and things that happen, questions about the no show fee. And so, as I sort of think about like how do i how do I kind of turn the volume down on how much I'm thinking about and doing for this practice, I've been wondering, like, when is it time to pay a virtual assistant? You know, when is it when is it okay to take chunk of your income and and give that to somebody else to give yourself some more space in your life? Mm-hmm. You know?
0: How would you answer that for yourself?
1: (laughs) Uh, Oh gosh, that's such a therapist way to, um, one thing that comes up for me is like the question of money with our clients. Um, I really dislike having to have a conversation with people about the no show fee or the late cancel fee. Um, and I have been thinking a lot more lately, like when I go see a doctor, I am not communicating with my doctor about my late fee. Like Bingo. That would be so weird and and then I wouldn't like try to guilt them into the fact that we have a relationship and I shouldn't have to pay it like It's totally separated from the... So I have no hard feelings to them when I have a late fee for the dentist or doctor. It's my bad and the front desk doesn't care, you know?
0: And your doctor would never get anything done if they were (laughs) (laughs) bouncing around between the front desk, getting you scheduled and collecting your fee and...
1: Exactly. It's like, how can I be a good therapist to 20 to 25 clients a week while also like having all these conversations about their money and scheduling it and, and then doing insurance and then... So... I mean, I just think that it would help, you know, it would help both my clients and me. I think at this point, I think when you're full and you have a wait list, when else is going to be a time to hire? Um, And there's no, I mean, I'm not going to probably get busier than this, really. So this is probably the time.
0: I think you're onto something here.
1: (laughs) Well, how did you decide to get your first assistant?
0: Well, um... The, and I've, I had gone through at least three in, in, um, to manage my practice. So I think part of it is it's not an easy role to hire for. Um, That's,
1: I think, the fear. Yeah, like then you're training them and, and picking the right person.
0: Yeah, but the hiring process itself is tricky. The training process can be tricky. Um, you know, for me, the first step was um, actually when I hired someone who, and I knew that when people were calling me, uh, sorry, when I hired a clinician, I should say, um, when people oh. were calling me, uh, and a lot of, uh, group practice owners starting out make this mistake. They keep answering the phone. They mm-hmm. keep doing all their own admin stuff. And so clients call the, the group practice owner gets them warmed up, starts to create rapport with them and then says, you sound like a great fit for our practice. I'd love to refer you to Jessica. And they're like, they're like, no, I
1: want to see you. Exactly. (laughs) But you, John,
0: you know, I think we can, you know, I think pulling numbers into it is a good idea, but also there's some points where you hit, you hit that you hit where you just go, what's this worth to me? Right. Or there's Mm -hmm. this part of you that goes, I just need this layer between me and, and my clients or between and, and all this admin stuff. Um, what i will say is that the role of a, of an assistant tends to actually generate revenue and a lot of a lot of people say okay well you know i've got to hire a virtual assistant and that's a non-revenue generating employee or team member right cuz they're mm-hmm. not they're not seeing clients well actually your your virtual assistant their main job is to be your sales agent right? Is to actually make sales, to generate, um, screen and convert sales for you. So that's how I see the role. And when I train virtual assistants, I see it as a sales role, especially when, when, for those of us that are in the private pay realm. Um, and especially, especially if we're in the private pay realm in a market, that's not completely private pay, right? Cause we know that they're going to have to make a bit of a sell for us. So, um, part of it's it, at what point can you not afford any longer to not have a VA right so if you're if you're overwhelmed and behind with your administrative work and you are missing calls because you're in session from new leads that by the time you get to them guess what they've 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 moved on with someone else and there are absolutely clients who who are out there going down a list of a few therapists or whatever tabs they have open in a window and calling to see who answers the phone first and guess what if you don't answer that lead is is probably gone
1: so you had your va take your i mean that would be so hard for me i think to not do the consult yeah and that's a transition too Mm -hmm.
0: yeah and we still you know currently in the group practice um we don't offer free consultations at all oh your doctor doesn't offer one (laughs) the the consultation is the first session (laughs) yeah yeah and that's fair
1: you know because i want to yeah like make sure they're a good fit
0: yeah so I think there's a couple ways to go around that, right? If you want to filter everyone in through a contact form, that's your first line of defense. Mm-hmm. And you could either monitor that contact form and have your VA take the next step, whether it's, yes, this is a good lead, go ahead and book them, or I'm not so sure about this, book them for a consult uh, with you on the phone. Oh, and so they're still handling crazy. that booking process.
1: Yeah. yeah, but if they fit their like women's issues or anxiety and they're you know, this and that, then they'll send them through. But if it's a little bit off or
0: totally, okay. And part of that will come over time with, uh, you know, a good VA who can really learn you and your practice at some point, they're going to know, um, who and who, who is, and who is not a good uh, fit for your practice, but you will have to be really hands-on in the beginning to show them exactly what that looks like.
1: That's so, I mean, cause so this is the first week that I've had last week started where I've had a wait list, which just kind of blew my mind. Cause I think even just like over the summer I was talking to you, my caseload had dropped. Um, the summer was so erratic and I'm finding, I'm like trying to see 20 something clients and I have an online therapy workshop this week, you know, which I've been started doing. Um, and then I'm getting all these calls and I'm having to do these 20, 30 minute consults that were kind of unplanned. And it's as I think you grow, you start to get four or five, six calls a week. So that's three more hours of clinical time that I didn't really plan for when I looked at my schedule. Right. Cause it is clinical time to do the consult.
0: Yeah, and, and it's time that you may or may not get paid for it depending on if the client comes in or not.
1: Exactly. So that's kind of and that's the thing. It's like you get to a certain point and you're like, okay, I'm I'm seeing fifteen a week, I'm seeing twenty a week. And then it's like, okay, well, there's no like guidebook for like, well then what happens when yeah, you're full and then how do you deal with getting more calls? And there's just so many decisions to make every day with the practice. Yeah.
0: yeah and I think w- what's important with that part is, is that um, it's not about making the right or wrong decisions. It's about making a decision and committing to what happens next. Mm-hmm. And I know that's, that's not saying stating anything, any secret. Um, but I think I think that is the nature of it. I think we get trapped in there must be a, a formula for this, or a guide, or someone to tell me. You know, when you hit X amount of clients, that's when you get a VA. And that right. it'd be great if we had that formula. It'd actually, it'd be a really good lead magnet um, for a practice <laughs> coach. But <laughs> write that one down. It's, it, it has. There's a lot of moving parts, and it just part of it is a numbers thing, and part of it is a feel thing. Um, right. If we want to and make it good
1: weeks mm-hmm. like you know it's not a problem to do everything but if i'm having something going on in my personal life it is a problem to do everything and it would be super nice to have someone to say like okay you take care of this
0: when the first first time that you are sick and you have a VA and you text him and say hey clear all seven clients <laughs> off my schedule it oh. becomes well worth it yeah. and reschedule those seven people
1: So how did you like get to the right person for yourself. You mm. had to just try a few out. It's Laura, right? That's her, Is that her name?
0: Uh, I have a few now, actually. <laughs> um, well uh, Yeah, Laura, Laura? works um, on the online side. So she works for my coaching business, the John Clark brand. She's a producer and my, my right-hand person and administrator now. Um, but Joanne is the person who answers the phone for the group practice. Um, I got very, very lucky with her. She... Um, I was the second practice that she started doing this for, and I will say more than anything, you, a good VA for a therapy practice has to have the right demeanor, um, and and I would say even more than that, they have to have um, they have to have the right lifestyle for the job. There's a lot of people that will do the job for you and will say they'll do the job for you, and they will miss more calls than you because they're out and about or they are. Um, They say they've got time or it's an intern or a young person or like, I don't know. I've heard a group practice recently had a college student doing it. I'm like, well, when the hell are they going to answer the phone? They're in class all day, getting hammered. Um, So (laughs) don't be angry when they don't answer the phone. Yeah. Even though they do, they will say they post to Instagram for you once a day for your practice. Drives me nuts. Um, So I would say, but having the lifestyle that suits being by the phone most all day, every day Mm -hmm. is really hard to find.
1: Mm-hmm, I bet, yeah. And so I mean, where do you even look for one? Because I, I googled it like kind of just for a second. It was like, do you look for a VA like company that's specifically for therapists or like where did you go to get yours?
0: At this po- At that point I didn't. This was a few years ago. At this point, I would. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's a gold standard for it in the industry right now. There's some, there's some reputable VA companies um, out there. If I had to plug one, and I feel like I have to plug one now. <laughs> It'd probably be uh, Uriah Guilford's company, Therapist dot com. I believe. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, just Google the productive therapist. Um, I, I've I've heard mostly great things about um, uh, about his VAs. He's probably listening to this. Um, so you're. Oh, hey! F- can you give free... me a discount f- for
1: bringing this up on my <laughs> podcast episode? I Here bet Ryan. he will. <laughs> I think
0: he has to now because he just got a free sponsor role on this podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. for zero dollars. <laughs>
1: Um, now let's talk about chocolate (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly
0: (laughs) what else can (laughs) i plug here um (laughs) pepsi um (laughs) uh he you know he he basically took his own in-person assistant for his group practice in california and started outsourcing their time to another practice and then he's replicated that with other um u.s based virtual assistants that he handpicks and trains so um you know, I think you're you're going to get a, a trained virtual assistant, a pre-trained person and someone that has already been vetted for you. Um, and you're going to pay for that cost, right? Because there is a middleman. So mm-hmm. on one hand, you're going to you're going to pay for that cost. On the other hand, they're already trained and it, you also will have probably like a backup VA. So that's the other thing is that once you do train someone, if they leave or if they are sick for a day or a week or they quit or whatever, guess what? The phones are back on your lap that day.
1: That's brilliant.
0: Um, Versus if you go through a company, they at least have people that can pick up the phone and can get access to your logins, your information, your spreadsheets, etc. So I think that's a major benefit of working with a company right now. And the last thing is they know the lingo, right? So they know what CBT and EMDR and and ACT Mm. is and they, they know how to sell pitch and sell private pay. Um, so you're, you're, you're paying for that. Right. But you're basically, um, uh, you know, sharing the time of a, of a VA among other therapists. So the, the other trade-off is it's really hard to find a therapist who's going to answer your phone on the dime every single time the phone rings. Cause they're probably answering the phone for a handful of practices. That's how they make mm-hmm. better money doing the
1: mm-hmm. job. Yeah. Yeah. And cause I mean, when we think about, you know, other people who own their own businesses like lawyer you know people who own their own practices like i would imagine that most of them aren't doing all the things that we for some reason feel like as therapists that we're supposed to do absolutely
0: not doing it as part Why of this, do we
1: feel like that? We like, I mean, cause I feel that too. I'm like, well, I wonder if my friends who have full practices have an assistant. Now I feel like a big loser. Cause I want to get what I want to get one. Get one you my know, My
0: acupuncturist has two in-person assistants that work the desk and he charges a lot less than I do. So, um, yeah. you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think we have a lot of mental blocks as a profession. I feel pretty strongly about it. I think we feel guilt for not being the one to answer the phone or to offer a free consult. Again, my physician doesn't offer a free consult on the phone whenever I'm have a stomach ache. And if he did, or if he did, he'd, he'd charge me for it or bill for it or whatever. And that would be fine.
1: I, and I think that, I mean, now to make a plug for you, I think that that's been the, one of the best things about coaching is like just the mindset around this and having you to tell me, you know, to not feel guilty about things or like to question me about why I'm, I'm feeling a certain way about something and to remove some of those mental blocks because I went from being, you know, kind of intermittently full when we met to going on a wait list and to having my clients schedule themselves. And, um, and, and it's not that, there were too many concrete things. I mean, you helped me so much with the KPIs and like just finding ways to track my practice and see how it's going, but there's no real reason for the increase to like now be on a wait list except for I think something about the conversations we had and the mental blocks have helped, help me grow. Totally. And I questioned getting a coach and using that income for that, but that has been so helpful.
0: That's great. I'll, I'll pay you after this session. <laughs> after this interview. Pay you, Uriah will pay me. No, I'm just yeah. joking.
1: No, Uriah will pay me.
0: If, if okay. I didn't, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when I choose a therapist, I don't, I don't really, I don't think I've ever been to a therapist who won't admit that they either go to therapy now or have done that, done their own work. So mm-hmm. uh, I learned recently from my wife that the term for this is called dog fooding.
1: Okay. I've never heard this.
0: I'm going to screw this up, but whatever. I screw up a lot of <laughs> things on this show. <laughs> it's my show. Uh, it's like, basically you can, do you consume your own product came from like a, a dog, a dog food uh, factory where they feed their own dog food to their dogs, or maybe I might be making this part up. The humans eat it. They
1: eat it. <laughs> Let's go with that. That would be a, yeah, a whole different level.
0: So I feel like it, especially for people who feel like okay even if even if coaching doesn't multiply your business that week or even the first month Part of it is the mindset, part of it is the wisdom that you get and the principles you learn and the better habits that you form that that pay dividends over time. Same thing with therapy, right? It's mm-hmm. like a lot of those dividends um, are, are being kind of paid out over time when you have a better life or a happy marriage or you feel less anxious or when panic attacks do creep up later in life, you have some tools to cope with it. So especially like earlier on in a practice, if, if we don't set good habits and if you don't get in the right mindset and really, um, and really address the mind set piece, it just, those problems just multiply. Those pain points just multiply. And I do think a lot of therapists, even though we are therapists and we know the the power of our thoughts and beliefs, we don't necessarily sit down and go, what do I believe about my, my propensity in private practice? What do I believe about charging X amount of dollars? How does that feel? What's it like mm-hmm. when I state my fee to a potential client or I decide to take Fridays off? So we're really yeah. good at, at kind of holding each other back and holding our ourselves in the industry back. And that's, that's just one of my, that's one of the reasons I get up in the morning is to, is to try to turn some of that on its head and, and really push the industry forward and, and push therapists forward. And I think it's, yeah, a it's like, we process. don't
1: respect ourselves as much as other people do in their professions. And that's insane.
0: It is Insane's a good word for it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Unintended. It's a
0: perfect word for it. <laughs> but I think this is how we level up, you know, is that we get a bit more serious. You know, if you have a cancellation fee, charge the cancellation fee. Like we, on one hand, people are like, well, you know, uh, society doesn't, doesn't, you know, respect or value therapy. Well, does therapy not value therapy? Or can we just push, right. push that, you know, push that envelope forward a bit more Bec- and therefore people will respect therapy more.
1: That's true. Grassroots effort.
0: Yeah. How do we get down this road? Um,
1: Talking about VA. <laughs> oh, do I deserve a VA? Do yeah. I deserve a VA? That'll be the
0: title of this, this episode.
1: <laughs> we did it.
0: Quote unquote. So another way to look at it is like, again, if you think about the lifetime value of a client, so let's say a client comes and pays, you know, $150 10 times. That's $1,500 in the course of the lifetime of a client. Um, mm-hmm. If you are in session and a client, who's a hot lead, so to speak, uh, sales term, calls and would have come and paid one hundred fifty dollars a week for ten weeks and or or a lot more than that, uh, that's a fifteen hundred dollar missed opportunity for the business. Right. If right. you have a virtual assistant that you pay for fifteen hours a week at ten uh, or, or ten hours a week for fifteen dollars, that's one hundred fifty dollars a week. It pays for itself. One hundred fifty dollars is potentially one more session a week in order to pay for Mm -hmm. this assistant, who's probably, again, going to be a multiplier for your business. So Mm -hmm. uh, nine times out of 10, when people add virtual assistants, they never go back, both for the tangible benefits, and they see that, um, uh, that that VA kind of earns their keep and actually adds revenue to your business, and the psychological benefits are just really hard to go back from. It's really hard to go back to scheduling yourself or doing your own, you know, screenings or what or whatever. Yeah,
1: I yeah. could see that. Um what are are they like allowed to have access to your simple practice? Like what are the ethics around that kind of thing? Confidentiality.
0: Yeah. So the the key piece uh for that for, for this is to have them sign a, a business associate agreement or BAA. Um, mm-hmm. These are really standard. You could probably just Google it and find a, a template. Um, but a business associate agreement basically says that um, because this person will have access to confidential information, that they are bound by law um, just like you to not share it. You, you'll hear people saying like, you know, can you get, um, like a phone company to sign a BAA, or can I get my email provider to sign a BAA? So basically we know they have access to our data and information, therefore our clients data and information. And we're just getting one layer of, pro- you know, one solid layer of protection in between. Uh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's really all they would need to sign. They don't need to have a special sort of training necessarily. Um, I think you know again if they have the right demeanor, if they're motivated to do the job, and if they have the if they can have a soft touch to them as well. I certainly learned that the hard way. And having a a VA who was great, but she was really loud, she was really intense, um, she kind of overwhelmed people. She'd be great if she was <laughs> selling like fireworks or like a rap concert or something. But for for therapy clients, it was really hard because you think about some people that are calling; they're already nervous as hell. They're already they're already right. anxious, right? They're already traumatized, and um, it's a big step to do this. So, uh, luckily, Joanne is a yoga teacher. She's super, like, just wonderful and grounded. And she runs a right. bed and breakfast, so she had the lifestyle that works um, for the yeah, job. Yeah,
1: she's hanging around her her place of business yeah. anyway.
0: And she has. Yeah. Um, uh, she has a personal connection to therapy as well. And she was able to talk to talk, speak to that. And so mm-hmm. the job means something to her. What you don't want is that's someone who d- really doesn't give a shit about, um, the job at the end of the day that it's truly just about the money.
1: Yeah. That's, those are such helpful tips when I, for when I start looking yeah. things to think about.
0: Yeah. And I would say, you know, if you don't go through a company, maybe just poking around um, and asking other people, hey, do you have a VA? And if so, do they have some spare hours, right? Or someone who okay. would be right. willing to okay. maybe um, work a smaller number of hours up front until you know exactly how many hours you need or can create additional work for them. The next level, like once Kinda you Kind of like a-,
1: a CSA farm share, like yeah, exactly. I'll share my CSA box with you, like
0: yeah. <laughs> share
1: your VA. <laughs> It's back to the some Asheville hippie stuff way. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i'm just thinking oh well, you she was a yoga instructor i'm gonna hit up our yoga community there's so many yoga instructors here that probably need extra work that's like the perfect va
0: i believe it yeah <laughs> and i think if you can share you know on someone else it goes a long way because they'll they'll be getting that training from both sides yeah, yeah. and then the last thing i would say is um there's a. Uh, uh, a guy named Scott Beebe, who uh, runs a business called Business on Purpose. He helps people create systems in, in their business. And he's he will say, do everything like it's the last time you'll ever do it in your business. So... Uh, Training a VA, onboarding a VA is a very perfect example. So rather than sitting down with this VA and doing a Skype call or whatever or sitting there in person and showing them bit by bit how to go into simple practice, how to add a new client, how to, um, I don't know, how to manage your inbox, whatever it is, create a screen share video of every single Mm -hmm. task you're going to teach them how to do. That way, if and when they leave your business, because they will... um, you don't have to do that over again, at least from scratch.
1: How do you create a screen share video though?
0: There's a tool I use called Loom, L-O-O-M. It's a, it's a Google Chrome extension. It's free. You just And when you're ready to use it, you just click record and it records your screen and it can record like a, a, a video of of you talking if you want to do it that way. I do them all the time for our business and for our team. Just did it the other day to show the team how to do something in our payment system. I just clicked the button, made the screen share, put it on Google Drive so it exists there forever for the team and is a file that anyone can access.
1: Can you do that for like a work, an online workshop or something too? Sure, absolutely. Okay, Loom. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah,
0: that's a fun little tool. Um, well, this has flown by.
1: Yeah, it went really fast.
0: Um, what else can we say? So, yeah, I mean, what are you think you're going to hire VA? What's your, what's your big takeaway?
1: (laughs) I think, yeah, I think that this conversation has turned me over for sure. I think I need to see that I stay, you know, this full for a little while and feel like, you know, I feel confident in that and that this isn't just a fluke and then I'll probably pull the trigger.
0: Nice. What would you say? What do you wish you knew from the beginning of this private practice journey?
1: Oh, man. Gosh, that's a really good question, John. Hmm. I mean, it's a tough one because it's been kind of a good journey to just learn things along the way. And I, I guess maybe the one thing is that what you had mentioned earlier that there's like no right way. And I think as I'm talking it out, I think it's just to, to really not compare yourself, myself to other people and to really look at it like my own journey. Um, because when we talked about like looking at other people's fees or looking at if other people, I'm still doing it. Do they have a virtual assistant or not? Um, I think it's just in really tr- trying to um, have your mentors and take their guidance and not look around so much at what other people are doing. Well said. Be confident. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. All of that. And then how how did you decide when to go from, you know, kind of absorbing all the free content that's out there to, um, to getting some help and, and um, working with a coach?
1: Yeah, I think... What was happening is I felt like I was getting too full to actually have... I didn't have a lot of clients in the beginning, right? So I had like three to five hours of work. Oh, I mean, I had more because I was working on my website. But I had all this free time to fill. And, and and I when I was working at the counseling center and I had like a lot of open time and I wasn't allowed to leave, I had time to put on a podcast. And so I was just soaking it up. But then when I got busy, I wasn't having the time to listen and implement stuff. I needed somebody to hold me accountable at that point because I was so busy and I wasn't doing the things I needed to do to like put systems in place. I was just trying to get by each day. So it was that shift from not busy to busy and just really needing more accountability.
0: Very cool. Thank you for doing this. It's been a lot of fun. It was my
1: pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on.
0: Tell people um, where they can find you and we will also um, put this information in the show notes.
1: Yeah. So um, I have an Asheville practice. You can find me at hazeltreecounseling.com and then I have an online practice and I'm licensed in Florida and North Carolina and I do, I treat people abroad and that website is hazeltreeonlinecounseling.com. So find me at either of those and I'd love to hear from anyone with any questions from this or who wants to connect.
0: Perfect. There you go, guys. Um, we'll put those links in the show notes, hazeltreecounseling.com and hazeltreeonlinecounseling.com. Yes. Definitely get forget? in
1: touch if you've hired a virtual assistant oh, and you want to tell me about it. <laughs> or if you're
0: Uriah and yeah. you want a new client.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. Both of you. Both of <laughs> types. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank hey, you so thanks for so being
0: me. here. I'll see you soon.
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: Thanks for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed this one. I want to tell you one more time. I believe that private practice can be easy and I can show you how Um, you've got um, between now and tomorrow night. That's Thursday night at midnight Eastern to be a part of my new program, five steps to fully booked, how to put your private practice on autopilot. Um, Again, I'm really proud of this program. It's been years in the making and the culmination of years of helping therapists since 2013. So, um, uh, uh, Get your access to the program now before it's too late. Just go to thejohnclark.com forward slash fully booked. That's thejohnclark.com forward slash fully booked. All right, have a good week. I'll see you next time.